Well, welcome, everyone. My name is Mike. I get a chance to be on staff here at Waypoint. Last week, I talked about something that is fairly challenging for most people, especially myself, because I talked about focus, and sometimes it's hard to focus. It's easy for me to get distracted, moving parts in life, moving situations, moving circumstances, scenarios, you name it. It's easy to get wrapped up in some of that stuff. And we looked at the story of Noah last week, basic story, very popular story. If you've been through Sunday school, you've seen it. But there's some juice in the story of Noah. And the juice is the fact that God was asking him to do some stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense. At this particular point, as I said last week, Noah would have not known what rain was. And here God is coming to Noah and he's like, I want you to build this huge boat. Now I can imagine what that would have been like. I would have said, what are you talking about? Why am I building this huge boat? I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what rain is. And God's like, yeah, well, that's fine. I'm gonna flood the earth and you're gonna build this boat. And it's interesting to me because doesn't he do that sometimes? He does that in my life. He does that in your life. Where he gets us to a place where he asks something of us and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And sometimes you can maybe see the greater picture and other times you really can't. And sometimes you have to take little steps to see the bigger picture. And even sometimes when you take little steps, it still doesn't make a lot of sense. I'll share something with you. The last like six months, I won't go into detail because everybody would leave, but the last six months I've been dealing with some like stomach issues. And I was kind of wondering what was going on. I'm like, what's happening? Like, why am I not feeling real well? Things aren't going real well. What, what's happening to me? And so I kept telling Megan, I'd come home and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what's going on, but like, I don't feel good. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I have like an ulcer from like stress because I can stress pretty easy sometimes. And I start thinking about all this stuff, of course. And I'm like, man, I'm not feeling good. So I keep telling Megan every day and she's probably getting super annoyed. She's like, okay, just go do something about it. And then I start telling like some of the coworkers, I'm like, man, my stomach is just not good. Like, I don't know what's happening, but like something's not right. So then I'm thinking there's, I don't know, a bunch of different stuff. And I'm like, and of course, obviously don't, don't Google your stuff because you know, that doesn't work out. But I'm, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm definitely like, something's happening. So I finally decide to go to the doctor because I'm like, I better go to the doctor, get this stuff checked out and see what's going on. And so I go over to the doctor and he asked me a question that you would think a normal person would have just thought about. But one thing you'll learn quickly about me, I'm not a very smart guy. So I need that extra help. And so the doctor says something that's a little bit uh, obvious, but he's like, hey, how's your diet? Like, are you eating pretty good? Like, you, you know, you're a vegetables kind of guy. And I'm like, yeah, it's not bad. Like, it's, it's okay. I mean, have like a piece of lettuce from time to time, you know, on a hamburger or something. But like, it's totally fine and everything will be good. And I keep, you know, he keeps kind of prying. And, but the thing he goes back to is, what's your, what's your diet like? And um, my diet is horrible. Let me tell you this. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, Megan always tells me you have to be the most unhealthy person on the inside. Like it's bad. Now my intentions are to get healthy. I want to get healthy. I want to start like, you know, feeling better and all this stuff, but gosh, I love T-Bell and I love Mountain Dew and I had three, three Starbucks drinks in one day and I had to though because I had meetings at Starbucks and you're not going to not go to Starbucks and not get coffee. But anyways, and I just, I, man. I'm not feeling real good. And, and he asked me that simple question. I started thinking about it. What's your diet like? The thing about this that I think actually can translate perfectly is this. See, sometimes our intentions are pretty good. Our goals are pretty good. Our focus can even be pretty good. 
but we're not doing the little things, the little steps to be able to have the end result that we want. See, my focus right now is getting healthy. Like I wanna, I'm doing that, but I'm not really doing the little things to get healthy. I mean, we all wanna be Christ followers and you know, be just like Jesus, but we're not necessarily willing to take the little steps in his, in his footsteps. And this is me. And so last week I talked about why it's important to focus. We know it's important to focus. If you're a Christian, you know, God tells you focus on things not of the earth. But it's so easy to focus on things of the earth because this is where we live. It's easy to get distracted. Trust me, I get it. You're talking to the king of making mistakes. But this morning, I wanna kind of take it a step further and not just tell you why it's important to focus, but I actually wanna tell you how we can focus and I wanna give you a picture that I think can show you that we can't control our circumstances. We know this. We can't control always our circumstances. We can't always control our situations and our scenarios. Stuff, stuff happens in our lives, things take place, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves having the opportunity to get distracted. Now, last week I shared Matthew 6.34, popular verse that says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. People might read this and say, oh, that's great. I'm not gonna worry about tomorrow. I'll just worry about today. That's not what he meant. He's saying, you can't control what's gonna happen tomorrow. And you know what? You can't control what's gonna happen today. So you might as well not even worry about it. In fact, you might as well focus that I'm your father. I'm God. I have everything you need. I know what you need and I have everything you need, so don't even worry about it. Don't worry about it tomorrow, but you know what? Don't even worry about it today. That's the thing that I want us to focus on this morning. And I wanna tell you the challenge of last week. And I wanna explain the challenge a little bit further. After God commands Noah to do some things, it says in scripture, it says Noah did everything God commanded. And so this past week for this challenge, I wanted you to fill your name in the blank. Now some of us, are wrestling with this whole process, myself included. How can I do everything God commanded when I'm imperfect and how could I possibly give this challenge? This is an impossible challenge, how can this be? The reason I, I stand by this challenge is simply this. I believe that God has given us the ability to choose and when he commands us to do so, he gives us the opportunity to have choices. This week, I worked really, really hard to fill my name in this blank. Let me tell you, I messed up, I failed, but there was certain times where I also was triumphant. I, I put some people in my life after last week, after I challenged you guys with this, because I said, I don't wanna stand up here and be a hypocrite. I don't wanna stand up here and say, you need to, you know, let's challenge you guys to do everything God commanded. Can you make the choices, the righteous choices, and then me walk off the stage and not do anything? See, I asked that I would be strongly convicted this entire week, that I would work. And there was moments where I had this week where I could have done something or said something and I was like, you know what? I stood up on stage, I'm really gonna try to obey because I'm feeling convicted right now and I'm gonna try to obey. And I hope that you did the same thing. I hope that you understand that the commands were a part of the law, but there is no law anymore because Jesus came to take that law. And so this is what I wanna tell you as we start off the morning. When you think commands and you think Old Testament, you think a checklist, you think of things to do. And then Jesus comes and he says, here's the deal, I don't want you to do a checklist because you know what a checklist is? A checklist is religion. I do not like, it's one of my biggest pet peeves, of course I never say anything because I wanna be gracious, but when people say, oh, you're in ministry, so you must be pretty religious. And I'm like, man, I'm not religious at all. Because you know what religion is? It's a checklist. 
It's I'm going to do something because I have to do it. I'm going to be this way Monday through Saturday, and then Sunday comes, and I'm going to be this way. And here's the deal. We, we know that that's not how it is. We know that God is asking for a relationship. And in the Old Testament, they were given a lot of commands. They were given the law. They wanted to be able to have a checklist of do's and things you don't do. And then Jesus comes and he essentially says, here's the deal, I'm gonna go ahead and break this because what I'm gonna do is give you grace, you don't deserve it, and when you choose to do something, choose to obey my commands like it talks about in 1 John, when you choose to obey my commands, you're actually gonna have an opportunity to display to the world that you love me. See, now we're in a different element because the law has been broken and Jesus has come and he's given us an opportunity. But the focus is still incredibly difficult because even though we have this thing of grace now of, oh, I'm, I can you know, try to obey God, but I'm gonna mess up and we're all gonna mess up. Grace is here, but focus is very, very difficult. And I wanna give you a short story this morning that kind of shows you the distractions that can come in our life. And when they start to seep in our life, we can see real problems. See, sometimes I think that when we think that we can start to focus on stuff, our problems will go away. Like, when you become a Christian, you know, of course life gets easier. Obviously, that's not true. Of course, when I, you know, when I, if I, maybe if I start focusing on stuff, maybe just my issues will kind of be squeezed out. Or if I, I really start focusing on what God has for me, maybe like my kids will behave better. Or, or maybe when I start focusing on stuff, everything will be better. Now, I, I believe that God does bless us and he does show us favor when we obey. But here's the, here's the thing. Bad things happen to good people, as we know. And sometimes you can obey and you can do everything that you're supposed to do and you can walk with the Lord and you can be Noah and you can be a righteous man. You can be doing all the right things and he's still gonna give you a difficult task to build a boat and it doesn't make any sense. And so we know that it does not mean anything when you focus about stuff going away. In fact, chaos doesn't stop when you focus because you can't control what happens to you. Here's what you can control. I believe you can control your frame. See, sometimes we have this big picture in life and we have this, this picture and there's things outside it and God sometimes says, I want you to zoom in. I gave the example last week up on the screen of where is Waldo? And it was a big picture and Waldo was up there and I asked how many of you guys can see him and the first picture, not many could see him and then I zoomed in a little bit and still not a whole lot of people and then we zoomed right in Waldo and every one of you saw him. See, the picture didn't change, the focus changed. And this morning, what I wanna highlight to you is that you have an opportunity with what is in your frame. Sometimes we fill our frame with a bunch of different things and the picture gets distorted and it's not exactly what God wants. And I'm there with you because there's been many times in my life where things have started to seep in my frame. And all of a sudden, the picture that God wanted, the picture that God had, the person that God wants me to be is all of a sudden distorted because I've let certain things in. And sometimes my picture gets too big and there's all these different things and God's like, if you just focus, if you would focus and watch what you put in your frame, I promise I can do some stuff. So I wanna turn to 2 Chronicles. If you have your Bible, your iPhones, or you just wanna look up on the screen, that's to totally fine. But I wanna take you to a short story in 2 Chronicles 25, one through two. A couple things I want you to see are highlighted in orange. Now, some of these names... I'm gonna to struggle to pronounce as I always do because I was struggling to pronounce them when I was reading them. So of course I'm gonna to struggle to pronounce them when I'm saying them. But 
Amaziah is a king, so he's 25 years old when he becomes king. He's pretty young, holy cow. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. His mother name, mother's name was, I'm just gonna say, Johadan. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. I want you to see this. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. We're getting a little bit picture of Amaziah. This is a king. This is a guy that is able to attract people. He's really good at rising armies up, and you're gonna see that. He's really good at attracting people, but already there's a tension at the beginning of scripture with him because it's saying that he does what's right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. Sounds like religion to me. Second Chronicles 25, three, four, if we skip down, it says, after the kingdom was firmly in his control, he executed the officials who had murdered his father, the king. So he avenged his father. His father's murdered. He goes, he avenges them. He's gonna make sure that his father's death is avenged. However, there's something that he does. Yet he did not put their children to death, but acted in accordance with what is written in the law, the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, parents shall not be put to death for their children, nor children be put to death for their parents. Each will die of their own sin. If we can go to Deuteronomy, with this is found right in Deuteronomy. It says, parents shall not be put to death for their children, nor children be put to their, their death for their parents. Each will each will die for their own sin. We're seeing this in Deuteronomy. So he's looking back, he knows this law, he's gonna make sure that he doesn't break this. This is something that we're seeing. We're seeing a little bit of tension here. We're seeing that he is gonna obey God's commands, but as you saw in the beginning, I want you to keep that in mind that not wholeheartedly. So we're seeing a little bit of tension already. As we jump down to 5.10, he does something. Amaziah called the people of Judah together and assigned them according to their families to commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds for all Judah and Benjamin. He then mustered those 20-year-olds or more and found that were uh, 300,000 men fit for military service, able to handle the spear and shield. He also hired 100,000 fighting men from Israel from a for 100 talents of silver. He's actually the first king to hire 100,000 uh, mercenaries, so that's a big deal. As I said, that he can attract people very well. But a man of God comes to him and says, after he purchases these people with a hundred talents of silver, "Your Majesty, these troops from Israel must not march with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the people of Ephraim." So what we're seeing here now is an interesting thing. He attracts all these people. He gets this big army. He's able to get a hundred thousand mercenaries, and you're starting to think, okay, this is gonna go well. I just purchased these people. You ever made a new purchase before? You purchase a new vehicle, and you're just like, oh, that's exciting. And then now somebody comes to you and is like, hey, actually, I know, you, I know you purchased this, but you're actually gonna have to give that back, and you're not gonna get your money back. You'd probably be pretty ticked. You'd probably be a little bit confused. I think that's exactly what Amaziah in this moment is pretty confused. He's saying, wait a minute, I just purchased these people. Um, we're gonna go to war, we need all these people, why are you telling me that God's not wanting this? There's a little bit of a conflict taking place. Even if you go and fight courageously in battle and eight, God will overthrow you before the enemy, for God has the power to help or to overthrow. This is where some of the distraction and the tension begins again. Amaziah asked the man of God, and it's highlighted in orange. But what about the 100 talents I paid for these Israelite troops? Like, I know God said that, but what about the money I paid? The man of God replied, the Lord can give you much more than that. So Amaziah dismissed the troops 
and had come to him from the Ephraim and sent them home. They were furious with Judah and left home in a great rage. Another example of Amaziah choosing to obey God, but is also distracted in the midst of obeying God. Again, it sounds like religion. As I explained earlier what religion is, I want you to ask yourself if you've ever been in this position before. Have you ever checked things off because that's the right thing to do, but the heart behind it isn't necessarily what God wants? See, this is where the heart check comes in and where we can focus and see what's inside our frame. Because there's been oftentimes I've done stuff for the sake of doing it because I wanna please God, and that's great, but I don't always understand the heart, and sometimes my heart's not even in it. Sometimes I serve, and you know I might go serve somebody, but realistically, I'm kinda, because I want people to see that I'm serving, because you know that's kinda cool, and then they can know that like I'm you know, pretty religious or whatever, and, and God's like, I asked you to serve because I want you to serve people, because when you're serving people, you're serving me. See, sometimes we have intentions to do the right things and we check our stuff off, but it's not exactly the heart behind it. And that's exactly what we're seeing with Amaziah. You see, he thinks that he should be able to keep all the mercenaries. He paid for them, they're his. He should be able to do that. And how could God possibly allow this? And so I'm actually gonna question God. You're seeing some dysfunction and some distraction already take place. He goes out and he ends up winning a battle. By the grace of God, he ends up winning the battle, and this is what happens. Pride fills his heart. In 14.15, it says, when Amaziah returned from slaughtering the Edomites, he brought back the gods of people of Seir. He set them up as his own gods, bowed down to them, and burned sacrifices to them. The anger of the Lord burned against him, burned against Amaziah, and he sent a prophet to him. Why do you consult this people's gods? which could not save their own people from your hand. What begins to fill Amaziah's heart is pride. You see, he thinks that because he defeated those people, that all of a sudden this is actually about him. And something jumps into his life. A picture begins to take place. And it begins to start filling with pride. And it starts to think that I can do everything and I don't need God and my reign is actually okay because I've done things God has commanded me to do, but my heart is not super loyal to God. See, I think Amaziah's heart was loyal to the idea of checking things off. I'm not sure it was always loyal to God. I wanna put a picture up for you. There's a, a portrait of me. I know that's a pretty rough photo to look at, but there's a picture of me right here, and I wanna be able to zoom out for you and so you can see the full picture. See, this is the full picture. We got two good-looking guys in the background. We got Nick Raimondo, a great, fa fantastic fellow, and we got Austin Bensis, also a great, fantastic fellow. And if you were to look at this, you would say, if I was to tell you that I wanted to get a photo of just myself, that was the goal, that was the focus, and then I showed you this, you'd say, well, Mike, that's great, but that's not a photo of just you. Like, there's some distractions in there. I thought you wanted to get a photo of just you but how come Nick is in the photo and how come Austin is in the photo? See, I couldn't control that right before I told Blair to take this photo of me, Austin and Nick just happened to jump in the photo. I couldn't control that. But if you go back to the picture of me, what I can control is my Zoom. See, I can control exactly what I want in my picture. I have the ability to say that I can zoom in and if I want a solo picture of me, I will have a solo picture of me and I will zoom in enough so that Nick and Austin are not in my photo. See, I don't think this is too far off from what we experience as Christians. 
See, I believe that we have an opportunity every day to zoom in. And some of you guys might be dealing with a frame that's filled with a lot of different things and I wrote a few of them down. Sometimes these are some of the things that jumps into our frame. Sometimes pride jumps into our frame. Sometimes jealousy jumps into our frame. Sometimes bitterness jumps into our frame. Sometimes hate and anger jump into our frame. Sometimes lust jumps into our frame. Sometimes comparison and stubbornness jump into our frame. Sometimes complacency and cynicism come into our frame. Hopelessness, sadness, lies, and lack of understanding. See, I can't tell you what's gonna get in your picture today and I can't tell you what's gonna get in your picture tomorrow, but what I do know is you can zoom in. You have an opportunity to zoom in and focus on the things of what God wants from you. What happens when cynicism enters your frame is you become a person that doesn't believe in anybody. Well, I would never give that person money because who knows what they're gonna do with it. I would never do this because who, know, who knows what cynicism. When you let cynicism in your heart and in your frame, what begins to happen is you don't ever have faith in anyone. You don't ever believe in anyone. When you get jealousy in your frame, all of a sudden you start comparing yourself to who God made somebody else and not who he made you. Oh man, look, whenever they go on vacation, they're always having so much fun. Oh, they got a boat. And God's like, that's great. Like, I can't control that, you know, that you feel that way, but you can focus, you can zoom in on what I have given you. When stubbornness comes in, it's a scary thing. It can be good, but it can also be bad. When you're a stubborn person, and you're not gonna let anyone teach you, or you're not gonna listen to anyone because you know it all, or you've been set in your ways. God's like, if you would just remove that stuff from your frame, I promise you I can do some stuff in your life. If you wanna know what God's focus is, I wanna share it with you again because I think it's really vital. This is God's focus in Matthew 5, three through 10. I said it last week, but it's blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they're gonna be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they're gonna be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they're gonna be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they're gonna see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they're gonna be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you wanna know God's focus, as I shared last week, it's this. This is God's focus. He cares for you. And his frame for you is simply this. He wants to, his frame is filled with mercy. It's filled with love. It's filled with grace. It's filled with understanding. He gets your situation. He gets my situation. Nothing is outside his frame. But sometimes we allow things to get in our frame and it just totally distorts the picture. It totally wrecks the picture. And some of you might be thinking, Mike, that's great. I wanna focus. The last two weeks you've been talking about focus. And I'd love to focus, but first I need to just get some things right and then I can actually focus. And God's saying, no, if you'd focus right now, I will begin transforming your life. How do I know this? Because it's the most simple, amazing story in the Bible. And it's found in Matthew 4, 18, 22. Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee and he sees two brothers, Simon called Peter and brother Andrew, and he says something. He says, guys, would you just come follow me? The most three most beautiful words can we get that up on the screen, Zion? Because these individuals are doing their job. They're casting their nets into the lake. And Jesus says the three most beautiful words of come follow me. 
I'm gonna send you out to, make, to fish for people. And highlighted in orange is the most amazing thing. At once they dropped their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They're in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. And Jesus calls to them, and what does it say? Immediately, they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. This is so, so crucial here. You don't have to get your life ready and start changing your perspective and try and do all that stuff before you can focus on what God has for you because if you focus on who God made you to be, he's gonna start molding into you exactly what he has for you. They didn't wait. He didn't come over and say, hey guys, can you come follow me? Like maybe in a month or something. He said, if you can come follow me right now, please come follow me. And at once they left their stuff. Their focus was immediate. Their focus was on the son of God, Jesus, because they knew that he could do something. They knew they were talking to the son of God. I think there's probably more in that story, that, but the scriptures just records that, and I think it's an absolutely amazing picture. And I wanna tell you that sometimes with our focus, we can get distracted because we let too many things in our frame. So I wanna call the three guys, Austin, if I call Mitchell up too, and Derek, if you guys could come up here and do a little example for me. See, sometimes good things are in your life, and you know, you're focused and everything seems pretty, pretty good. And you're at a good pace. You're at a really good pace of life. And then you think, you know, life is going pretty good. I'm actually going to try to fit something else. So then all of a sudden Austin comes up and he tries to get in my frame. If you can squeeze, that is just fantastic. And then, uh, <laughs> so he tries to squeeze in my frame and all of a sudden Derek comes up and he's like, gentlemen, put your faces as close as we possibly can. I want to make this crowd uncomfortable. So all of a sudden, he tries to get in my frame, and now Mitchell does, and can we even squeeze any closer? Okay, yeah, this is an uncomfortable experience. But all of a sudden, I have all these people in my, I have all these people in my frame. So I'm, you know, this is what God has for me, but I got all these different things in my, you know, I got my friends and my family and all these different things. Thank you, that was great. <laughs> I mean, we could do that the rest of the service, but. Thank you. I actually think busyness is one of the things we fill in our frame and honestly, sometimes it's not good. We all wanna be busy because it's cool to be busy. When you're busy, you sound important. When you're busy, things must be going for you. Sometimes we try to fit so much stuff in our frame. Our friends, our family, jobs, all those things, that's great. Those are all good things. But sometimes when you try to fit so much stuff you're not even allowed God to paint the picture that was actually meant to be painted. See, even good things can crowd your frame. And I'm convinced that your picture doesn't have to be filled with a million different things. I can't help if my friends always wanna hang out. I can't help if my family's always asking us to do stuff. I can't help if the job requires stuff. But what I can help is sometimes to say, you know what, no, I need time with God. I need to focus my frame on what he has for me and the picture might be busy, but I'm zooming in. God, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? As I'm sitting here doing my devotions or I'm sitting here reading scripture, what do you have for me? What can I learn? What can I be taught? I think it's a really big deal. And I wanna end with four things of practicality that I think can help. Because last week I talked about why it's important to focus and this week I wanna tell you how you can focus. I think that you can add things to your life. You can add people that challenge you, people that encourage you, people that love you into your life. 
You can also remove things from your life. Some of us out there right now need to remove the busyness. We need to get into a season where we're spending more time with our kids, with our spouses. We need to remove people in our lives that are bringing us down, people that are telling us lies, people that are getting us involved in gossip. We need to remove those people. Some of us need to put better people in our lives. Some of us need to recognize the blessings in our lives because those things are good. Children are great. Family's great. Friends are great. Jobs can be great. Those are all good things. And sometimes we need to stop and say, God, man, I love those in my frame. Thank you. Thank you for giving me these things. And there's other times where maybe your frame isn't focused enough. You're seeing a picture, but you're not zooming in to what God actually has. One of my favorite verses is in Proverbs 4.23, and I'm gonna call the band up here as we, as we close. And it says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. This story of Amaziah, Amaziah completely parallels to this. You see, Amaziah let distractions get into his heart. And he began to worship false gods. He began to have idols. He began to become religious because he was checking boxes off. He didn't realize that God actually wanted his heart the whole time. God didn't just want his pencil. He doesn't just want your pencil. He doesn't just want your checklist. He doesn't want your, just your church attendance. He doesn't want, he wants your heart. And how you can give him your heart sometimes is to simply focus and zoom in on your life and ask yourself, what is the closest things to me? The frame, in essence, is obviously meant to recommend to represent your heart. What's in your heart? Because everything in your heart, above all else, you need to guard it. You need to guard what comes inside here because everything you do is gonna flow from it. If I could be really honest with you, there's been many times where I've let comparison into my life and I've let it in my frame and I start thinking, well, why am I not doing this? Maybe I could be doing this and God kind of steps in and he's like, nah, I didn't make you for that. Your frame is to focus on me and I'll just, you just keep being faithful. And I say, okay, God, I'll be faithful. There's other times where anger enters into my frame or my heart and I get mad and I get bitter and I start to treat people poorly. There's other times where I might get stubborn and I let stubbornness into my frame in such a way that nobody can tell me any different. If, you know, Megan lives with me and she's always telling me how stubborn I am and it is because I'm stubborn and most of the time I'll, I'll say something and you know, like, oh, I'm, nobody can tell me this or nobody can tell me that because I think that I know everything sometimes and gosh, when I let that in my frame, it's really scary because I, I gotta be honest with you, I, I don't, obviously. And I'm just trying to be faithful to God and I don't know exactly what you've let in your heart, but I can promise you whatever's in your heart, that's the person you're gonna be. You can't control the things that are outside that have potential to come in your heart, but you sure can control what you let in. This morning, as you think about what's in your frame or what's in your heart, I want you to ask yourself, is there stuff you could remove? Have you let pride get in there? Have you let your circumstance, maybe your person that at this point, you, God has given you favor and money's been good and you don't even feel like you have a need at this point because you can get anything you want. 
You can go on any vacation you want. You can do anything for your family. Maybe there hasn't, there's no need at this point for God to do anything. And that money and that pride and things have come into your life and it's come into your heart. Maybe it's hopelessness. Maybe it's come into your frame so much and it's come into your heart. You think that any situation you're in, God could never do anything because it's too bad. It's too down, far down the road. I'm completely broken. God could never change me. He could never fix my marriage. He could never fix my situation. He could never fix my relationship with my kids. He could never heal me. And God's like, here's the deal. Everything that you let into your heart is the person you're gonna become. So if you let hopelessness come into your heart or into your frame, you're gonna become a hopeless person. But if you focus today, right now, just like God says, come follow me, and you drop your net right now. You say, I don't care what's going on in my life. I don't care about this hard situation. I'm, I'm gonna let hope come into my heart. I'm gonna let hope come into my frame. I'm gonna zoom in and be thankful for the things that God has done. And when I start to become thankful, I'm gonna stop forgetting what's not there, the things that I don't have. Every person in this room is different. Everybody's dealing with different things. Everybody's dealing with different circumstances. But this morning, God has given us one thing. He's given us a choice. And that's why I stand by that challenge last week. It's not a checkbox, it's a choice. If you'd bow your heads and pray with me, I'd like to close. Dear Jesus, we come before you as people who have a choice. When we think we have it all together, that essentially neglects what you did on the cross because the truth is, is that you came down to do what we couldn't. I don't have a direct connection to God until you come, Jesus. You come and you gave me the Holy Spirit. You gave us the Holy Spirit. You gave us grace. You gave us mercy. You gave us hope. You gave us joy. You gave us love. You gave us peace. All these different things. And when we put those things in our frame, we start to paint a picture that looks like you. But when we put things in our frame like hopelessness and cynicism and stubbornness and, oh, I'm just setting my ways and I can't grow and I can't learn, man, our heart gets hard. And that's the person that we become. We become a hard, difficult person. This morning, I asked that we would look in our own hearts, we would look in our own frames, We'd stop looking at this picture that is filled with all this stuff that we can't control, but we would actually realize we can control our frame. We can control what we let in our hearts. My passion is for these people, God. That's the reason I'm here. That's for the people. It's the reason that I love Waypoint is because of the people. I ask this morning that we would be people that take this seriously. We check ourselves. We'd look at our hearts and we'd say, yeah, there's some pride in there. And I want to rid of that because God has more for me. That's what I ask, Jesus. I thank you for this group. I thank you they took time out of their incredibly busy schedules to spend an hour with us this morning. We're so grateful. We prepared and we ask that your Holy Spirit would move, Jesus. We love you and it's in your amazing name. Amen.